Health and Fitness with David Hollywood in association with The Hearing Consultancy, thehearingconsultancy.ie. Visions 103. What a difference a week makes. This time last week, I was sitting in studio in a pair of shorts, struggling to pick myself up off the leather chair. Rest assured, listeners, I am very much not wearing shorts today. It's grim outside, so let's look forward to what we're doing inside. Let's have a look at what's coming up this week on health and fitness. I think facilities and amenities as society provides for its people really speak to where we're at with that particular community. So it's good and it's high time to bring you some good news from Mullingar on that front very shortly. I'm reading about it, I'm hearing about it, and it turns out that the data is showing it. We're drinking less than we used to in this country this evening. You're going to hear from the experts on what alcohol does to your body. And you're going to learn all about fly fishing for ladies. Right now, though, most clubs around the country can only dream of having one. Uh, those that do have one have had to work night and day to deliver it and, of course, to maintain it. But as of Thursday this week, we can say Mullingar Harriers have an all-weather running track. The club's honorary secretary is uh, Greg Duggan. He joined us on Health and Fitness to celebrate the news and talk about the club and his story. I started by putting it to him that this was, of course, great news for Mullingar Harriers. Absolutely, David, yes. I mean, the club is approaching its 50th anniversary and when it started all those years back in 1975, it started on a sloping green field uh, on the edge of town that you had to cross several drains and fields to get to the, to the site, and there was nothing there. So I'm starting to build a clubhouse, uh, bringing in thousands of tons of soil to build up the level of the field, put a track into it. And over the years, developing and improving facilities, um, we get to the point where in 2018, we were able to make an application for most capital funding through the Department of Sport for a major improvement in facilities to get us an all-weather, uh, six-lane all-weather um, uh, surface track, which is a huge milestone for the club. And we're absolutely delighted. In terms of uh, what it will actually enable the club uh, to be able to do and uh, how it will help uh, progress the operations of the club, you might talk us through uh, what the expected impact of having the facility is. Yeah, I mean, up, up to now we had we had an eight-lane grass track, which served its purpose extremely well for for, for decades. But uh, coming up towards competition time, as the as you get more and more like top-class athletes and, and better-level athletes, you want to be able to train on the on the the competition surface. So we were having to go and train in Athlone or Tullamore or up to Dublin to get tracks up there, and having our own our own track on site, so to speak. It's a huge bonus and it stops a lot of people having to travel around the place. Um, and it'll help our middle distance runners, our sprinters. All our, all our events are covered. They have access 24-7 to a, an all-weather surface uh, for speed work and also sort of technical issues to address on that you can't do on grass or on gravel. So it's, it's, going, to, it's going to be a huge benefit. Already we've seen this day, there's been quite a spike in membership. Even when we, as we were applying for the funding, I renew. Like this is very real. This could be happening very, very soon. Back in eighteen, um, despite the slump during COVID, once COVID was, we came out of COVID, memberships ramped up suddenly, you know, very, very quickly. And I mean, up to now, we would have been hopping around about the two fifty, three hundred members per year. We're we're over five hundred, heading towards five hundred fifty now. There's been quite a jump, and the track has really, really contributed to that. People see the top class facility available. And they want to get access, they want to get access and use it. 
that's the thing, isn't it? It's um, there's so many probably unexpected benefits that will occur down the line as well. You mentioned their training and performance and and it, it, it makes the club more attractive potentially to, to new members, which then uh, strengthens the revenue stream for the club. Also, I imagine, uh, Greg, that uh, for the Mullingar Harriers, it means that um, hosting certain races and events, be it uh, club races or, or say, um, uh, 5K races that people from around the region might be attending, um, it's the type of thing where you can, you can finish these races uh, up on a 400 metre track which uh, adds maybe to excitement and um, a bit, give it a, a bit more profile Exactly only there recently we had we, we, we resurrected we call that the Westmead Road Championships hadn't been run for many years mm. and we started in the club grounds two laps of the local roads and finished on the track and it was it was ex- excellent and something that was it did add to the whole occasion of coming down the home straight on an all-weather track um, it looks it looks different at the end of a road race. It was absolutely fabulous to be able to do that. And um, it did showcase the track off very, very well. In terms of um, that widening membership then, um, what are the hopes and targets and ambitions for the club in the medium-term future? This obviously uh, would have been a long-standing target for Mullingar Harriers to have this track. Uh, what, in your mind, should be the next steps? Good question. I mean, it's a six-lane track. I mean, we didn't go for the full eight-lane competition size track. Sure. So there are some six-lane tracks around the country that would have competitions on them. But because we're too close to other tracks like Tullamore, which is a state-of-the-art facility, there's an eight-lane track in that alone. You know, there's lots of competition tracks around us, but we found the six-lane track is perfect for training on. We have the five lanes of grass outside of it, so we have grass and an artificial track. Um, what it'll help us to do is, is um, so I forget the question again, David. So you may have to. No, no, you're absolutely grand. I'll be ed- okay. able to e- edit this afterwards. You will. Yeah, just I- anything uh, on the horizon for the Mullingar Oh, the Harriers. next horizon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In, in terms of in terms of kind of um, capital development or 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 um, yeah. wh- where your next where you think the club's yeah. next few steps will take you in terms of um, expansion or development. Yeah. Um, yeah, I suppose the next, the next uh, thing we're going to face as 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 we as membership grows, I mean, we are obviously limited by the number of people who can physically fit onto the site and coaches and assistants and all that sort of stuff. But the clubhouse itself will probably need to be uh, looked at again. Uh, you know, it was built in 1975, expanded twice that I can remember, and all kinds of, of, of improvements on the inside and outside to it. But it will, it is probably fast outgrowing the family is, is outgrowing the house so to speak we're going to have to do something about that i think that's going to be our next um obstacle to overcome or the next hurdle we have to jump and we'll be looking at the clubhouse itself and, and upgrading it to a more modern uh, facility mm. and i know there's plenty of talk about how running exploded um, in the last few years in terms of participation numbers across the country and through the Midlands. Are you seeing evidence of that? Um, as you say, you've got a growing membership sign-on rates at the moment. Are you seeing evidence of a burgeoning uh, athletics or, or, or running participation body in Ireland? Athletics as, as, a, as an organisation, certainly, certainly nationally, the figures are growing rapidly. I mean, athletics are but would... I think they're tracking towards 65,000 members uh, nationally, which is a big improvement on even five, six, five, six years ago, which was around about 50,000, if you remember. So nationally, numbers are certainly growing. We're seeing it locally. 
of our 500 plus membership, uh, about two thirds or so are will be children, we call it, like eight, 8 to 18 years of age. And there's a huge demand for membership there. But the adults also, there's a good number of adults. We have a third of our membership are adults. And they are growing steadily all the time. There's people coming in every other week. There's one or two people joining all the time. And realizing that they don't have to be your Jack O'Leary's and your Cormac Dawson's or Claire Vegas this world. You don't have to be the, the big top stars tracking towards major championships. You can be the ordinary person in the street that just wants to improve, get fit, and get better at what they're doing. Um, and they, they're willing to join. They're happy to join and take part in, in training. Because training is suited to all levels. So you don't have to be the high performer to join an athletics club. That's a message that we should take nationally. Mm. Join your local club. You don't have to be you know, Olympic or World Championship uh, tracking athletes. And anyone, anyone can do it. And there's something, there's something for everybody and a standard and a level for everybody. On that note, what do you feel the Mullingar Harriers is there for? It's 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 main purpose, you know. Like um, it's there to obviously uh, compete. Uh, it's it's there to to produce athletes, as you say, uh, that can go on to represent, um, be it uh, their county, province, or country in championships. Um, but also, it's got that um, large footprint on 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 the community. So, Mullingar Harriers, from your perspective, what should be its number one priority? It very much is, is kind of in the constitution that our primary focus is to um, develop the sport of athletics throughout the throughout the, the town and, and the county. That is one of its primary um, um, purposes is to is to develop athletics as a sport. Um, the rest follows on. I mean, obviously, we get people into it. They trek on towards major championships. But the big focus is to get people involved in a lifetime activity that will benefit them. Okay, and and finally, uh, Greg, just uh, from your own perspective, how did you become attracted to the club? How did you end up in the role you're in, or, or has it been kind of like a lifetime passion or something that you found later in life? And um, how how has the Mullingar Harriers become such a part of your life? Yeah, um, I, I'm originally from Dublin, so I obviously don't have a local, I don't have the local accent. People would, who know me will know that. I joined the club when I was 13 up in Dublin, and I ran out and I was in my late 20s. Family commitments meant I had to kind of drop away from the sport at that stage. Moved to Mullingar in 1992, and only when my children got involved in it in the early 90s, mid-90s rather, that I, I got involved. Uh, Bobby Begley persuaded me to come up one night and have a look around the track, the facilities that there were at the time. And I, uh, I fell, I was probably press-ganged into coaching and uh, I, I got in, but I always, even when I was running as, a, as a, an adult back in Dublin, like I, I did enjoy doing a little bit of impromptu, a little bit of in, informal coaching here and there, but relating things particularly. So uh, it wasn't a big step to start coaching when I came back down to when I came to Mullingar. Um, and I always felt it's putting something back into the sport because I got huge enjoyment over quite a long career as, as an athlete. And... Um, when I came back into the Mullingar Harriers, it then got me back into the Masters, the over, at the time, over 40 mm. um, uh, competitions. And I enjoyed many, many years of that. And uh, that's a lot of our, our adult members are, will, be, will be master athletes over 35 and plus. 
I was uh, I was at the Masters um, Championships in the Tullamore Harriers. Uh, they're the national championships during the mm-hmm. uh, during the summer. It, it's a phenomenal event. The atmosphere is almost uh, like nothing you come across in terms of the passion and the enthusiasm of all the competitors. Uh, it really is a big service to uh, those who practice athletics across the country. It's fantastic. I mean, we have members like I say from eight years of age. Our 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 our, uh, our more senior members are in their uh, over seventy five and they're still competing and they would have been in Tullamore and competing at a very high level. Um, I pick up someone like Sean McMullen. Sean will be heading off to the European Championships very soon, and w- and will bring home medals because he's at that level. He has taken world and and uh, European um, Masters medals. Um, he's he's very very good and he's he's doing it for years and years now and it's getting huge enjoyment out of it and it just shows the people that it doesn't stop you don't there's no age at which you're thinking well I'm too old now I have to stop you can keep going there are there would have been you would have seen masters in Tullamore in their 80s and over 85 even and they're still they're still competing yeah and still getting huge enjoyment out of it and and the health benefits are absolutely enormous well, you don't have it. to stop because you don't there is no I'm too old I must stop now there, that unless you're injured or something or an illness you don't have to stop ever. You can just keep going. You may get, you'll obviously get slower as you get older, but you don't have to stop. No, that's it. I think we, whatever we can't, whatever we can do, we can't escape the fact that uh, we will just get that little bit slower as as uh, time goes on. Hopefully, um, this new running track for the Mullingar Harriers will produce many more masters of the future and um, uh, many more uh, members uh, for the club. Uh, so we much appreciate you, Greg, uh, taking the time to talk to us on health and fitness this evening. Congratulations on uh, the new running track and uh, the best of luck for uh, everything going forward for the Mullingar Harriers. Yeah, no, no. If, if we could, I would love to, I'd love to add in at some stage that we need to pay all credit to the um, Department of Sport for the sports capital funding. We've got a significant allocation under that program. It's a national national lottery funded system that was that was very very helpful. We wouldn't be able to do without that without that financial assistance. Okay, and sponsors and everything else. It was a, a huge financial effort, but we were delighted to get it over the line. Uh, actually, on that, so. Let's just put some meat on the bones of that. It's never one thing that gets a project like this delivered. You need to probably strategize how you're going to get a certain percentage of uh, the required investment from one avenue, another avenue and another avenue. And then you have to go and execute that strategy over a long period of time, I imagine. Oh, yes. I mean, we made the application in 2018. That's when we knew that we were approaching the point at which we could um, finance our our half of the project, which was you know, our, we would have had to find on the order like of three hundred and fifty thousand euro, maybe three hundred three hundred fifty thousand euro, uh, which is a lot of money because the department were giving us uh, they were giving we applied for three hundred thousand funding, they gave us two to five thousand, uh, which is a very large chunk of money, but we had to make up the shortfall. And uh, by sixteen seventeen, we knew that look, we're heading toward that point where we could realistically look at making an application of that magnitude mm. and be able to see it over the line. And uh, like I say, you're, you're, you're fundraising, you're, you're putting money aside, you're, you're doing all, putting all that, that groundwork in place and um, securing uh, all kinds of funding uh, mechanisms to get that money in, 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 in the pot. So that when you make the application, you have a, enough in the, enough of the kitty to convince the department that you can see this through because they want to see that you can, uh, you can meet your own commitments. They'll give you money, but you have to be able to show you can you can support that 
their 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 money has to be supported supported by your own your own finance. Mm, the support is there it, if it, you can justify it. Takes, it. it takes several years. It takes a, it's a long it's a long it's a long run in for something of that size. Okay, a long road, but um, finally is, you, yeah. you've reached the point at which you have literally manifested the track. So a huge congratulations from us uh, on that one. Thank you very much. Yeah, that was Greg Duggan from the Mullingar Harriers. Apologies for the choppy, uh, less than perfect audio there. Stay put. When we come back, we've got more good news coming from Mullingar. Health and Fitness with David Hollywood with the Hearing Consultancy. Book a free hearing test at our clinics in Clara, Edenderry, Kinnegad, Mullingar, Tullamore and get impartial advice on hearing aids, ear protection, tinnitus help and more. Thehearingconsultancy.ie Now it's rare that uh, we sit here and say uh, it's great to be celebrating more capital funding news, uh, not necessarily the sexiest of content. Uh, That being said, we've got uh, more good news from Mullingar. For many years, people have been campaigning for uh, a new swimming pool to meet the needs of the community. In a rare example of people and their political representatives actually working together, a new regional sports complex with a new swimming pool is indeed on its way. The tender window has been closed for the project. Public consultation is about to begin. Mullingar Pool Action Group met on Sunday to discuss progress on their objectives and I met with their chairperson, Lisa Corcoran, uh, to get the latest. Yeah, we had our first meeting um, after the summer break uh, last Monday night in the Gravel Arms Hotel. Um, I suppose it's we're coming up on a year old um, as a group. So we started off with a quick debrief as to what uh, I suppose Mullingar Pool Action Group have achieved. Um, in that we formed a committee last October and we've held well-attended regular meetings with a clear and coherent strategy. Um, I suppose over the last year as well, we've identified and liaised with um, current and potential stakeholders who currently could use the pool or do use the pool and could use the pool if we had the capacity for it. Um, Indeed, last December, um, our concerns were brought to the then Minister for Sport, Jack Chambers, which highlighted the ongoing need for a new pool in the Mullingar area. And we've also um, been uh, engaging with Westmead County Council, Swim Ireland, local TDs and councillors on this. Um, so at the meeting, that just started with a quick debrief. And then we went through where this has led us to now, um, just at the start of the summer, that Westmead County T- Council released the project for a design team to come up with a design and architect, uh, architect team uh, for the proposed new sports complex in Mullingar, which would include a new swimming pool. So um, we were meeting, I suppose, to discuss that and why the next, I suppose, six months are, are critical in, in that process, um, ensuring, I suppose, um, looking forward to what design comes out of that tender process and hoping that it will reflect um, both the current needs of the Mullingar population and also future-proofing for the next 20, 30 years as the population of our, our lovely town um, increases. So when, as a group, uh, you get to discuss what is a, a really important step, a, a, a concrete a development um, in in the plan and to kind of know in a secure way that this regional sports complex, which will have the swimming pool facility, is essentially on its way. Um, that must be a moment of um, great relief and uh, kind of a vindication for everybody who's spent their own time uh free time, personal time in campaigning for this? Absolutely. Like we are a group of just local citizens, um, normal people, just we're apolitical. We give up our time. Everything we do is voluntary. Now, 
I will say, and I have to commend our local um, TDs here in Mullingar Town and in our local councillors and indeed the county council have been fantastic in um, engaging with us and uh, listening, I suppose, as a voice for the community, uh, for that average person. And what we want is just a pool that will serve the needs of every person in our community, from from babies, toddlers learning to swim, right up through maybe people swimming in, in competitions up to our older population who, who needed to help with their mobility, etc., and people maybe with mobility issues and everything like that. So we, we just represent, I suppose, the ordinary person of Mullingar, you know. It must be specifically interesting as well to be at a point where designs and plans for this will come out and then there'll be public consultation. So uh, you might actually get a visual representation of what this facility will be. Yes, that's that's what I suppose will be the next step, David, you know, when, um, to the best of my knowledge, now I'm not an expert in this by any means, but um, when the design um, designs are decided on and that process is 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 finalised. Um, it will be put to pu- public consultation. Um, I, I assume over the next few months, um, and then I suppose it will be a chance for the likes of ourselves and, and various sporting groups, um, maybe swimming or, or, or water aquatic based groups, to to submit um, to put in submissions regarding that te- that that design when it comes out. So, um, and I that that will all be taken into account, I suppose, before before it's signed off, you know, which which is great. It'll be put to the public as well. Uh, finally, I know you don't want to project too far forward because with these things, um, there's always the chance for regression or, or, or a problem at some stage. Uh, but if this project is ultimately delivered and the ribbon is cut, uh, for those who are part of this group uh, to have that as the legacy of the work that you guys have done, uh, that'd be something else as well. Ad would, but do you know what? As I say, it's 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 a team effort, and we're only a very very small stakeholder and part of this this process. And there's a lot of people working very hard behind the scenes on this. So um, absolutely, it would be amazing, and um, we'd all we'd all celebrate together if if and when we get to that point, David. Yeah, first step, or not first step, but certainly an important step uh, along the way to delivering that facility. Absolutely. Lisa, much appreciate you taking the time to talk to us this evening. Wonderful. Thank you, David. Thanks. Yeah, great credit to uh, Lisa Corcoran there um, and the Mullingar Pool Action Group who have put in the tireless work that it takes uh, from a civic position uh, to create the stimulus to get maybe public representatives and uh, those who make these decisions to put up serious money and uh, deliver this regional uh, sports complex which will have a swimming pool which will serve service properly uh, the needs of people in the town of Mullingar and as we all know uh, populations across the country are growing uh, services therefore need to move in step and preferably quicker than uh, those population growth so that Simply, everybody is provided for. To stand still at the moment, we need to develop at a serious rate. Next, amid a slow but certain creep towards sobriety, we're talking about alcohol and your body. Health and fitness with David Hollywoods in association with the Hearing Consultancy. With free hearing test clinics in Clara, Tullamore, Kinnegad, Mullingar Dental Clinic and now at Keen's Care Plus Pharmacy Edenderry, thehearingconsultancy.ie. Midlands 103. 
For the longest time, Ireland has been synonymous with a drinking culture and uh, over the years it's uh, produced uh, our fair share of cliches, tropes and of course, bottom line, uh, very much a high cost to the health service and uh, in that instance, funded by the taxpayer ourselves. Uh, But trends seem to be changing and uh, there's more than anecdotal evidence out now that um, people, um, depending on what age category they're in, depending on what kind of category of drinker that they're in, um, that the numbers are going down in a lot of respects. So on health and fitness this evening, we wanted to take the chance uh, to maybe look at exactly uh, what alcohol does in relation to our own body's system. To do that, I have absolutely need to, uh, needed to enlist some help. So I'm very glad to say that I can introduce Dr. Anya O'Connor, who's a lecturer and course coordinator of the Bachelor of Science degree in Nutrition and Health Science in TUS Athlone, the Technological University of the Shannon. Uh, Dr. Anya O'Connor, thank you very much for talking to us this evening. Thank you for having me on, David. So alcohol for the longest time has been a part of Irish people's lives. And as I introduced there, we are seeing maybe some changes uh, in the amount of people and how they engage with alcohol. First and foremost, let's look at the substance itself. It's controlled. You can't drink it until you're 18. There's um, certain restrictions on how it's advertised. Let's have a chat maybe about why that might be the case. I'd like to um, start with what happens to our body when we drink alcohol. Yes, so um, when you drink alcohol, um, it is quickly absorbed in your stomach and small intestine, and then it enters into your bloodstream. And from there, it's transported in the liver, where the compound ethanol in in the alcohol is broken down. And so on average, then it takes around one hour to break down your average alcoholic drink. Mm. And so that alcohol will blend into your bloodstream then and your blood alcohol concentration will rise. So the higher your blood alcohol um, concentration, obviously, then um, the more drunk a person will appear. But that will depend on a number of factors such as how old you are, whether you're male or female, your body weight, your tolerance to alcohol, genetic factors, how much sleep you've had, and obviously the number of alcoholic drinks that you consume. There's a lot of potential variance then in relation to how it does interact with our body. One thing I wanted to pick you up on there, as I mentioned, we aren't legally allowed to drink until we're 18. You mentioned that age uh, is a factor that changes how we might process alcohol. Is that in relation to people who are particularly young and then going into adulthood? Or are there other moments in our age spectrum where how we process alcohol changes? Yes, so it'll it'll all depend on on the age. So the effects will appear greater in um, younger individuals, um, and that's why we have that law around um, you know that the drinking isn't allowed until a person's eighteen years of age because of those um, effects that are seen and those effects. Uh, the short-term effects in, um, you know, drinking alcohol, where a person, their speech becomes blurred, uh, slurred rather, and, um, you know, they can become clumsy and have accents and are prone to to those things. So that that um, would be the age-related effects there. Okay. And I suppose it's important to note too 
that, you know, the we have obviously, you know, various laws in this country around um, alcohol and its sale. And alcohol in, in itself, you know, is a leading risk factor for health and disability and does increase our risk for various chronic diseases such as cancer, heart disease and other conditions such as fatty liver disease and ulcers, as well as the more um, societal impacts on community health and families. Yeah, there's certainly no shortage of um, reasons to have concern about the consumption of alcohol. Obviously, the more that we drink, um, the more likely we're exposing our, ourselves to these um, issues. And what about, say, somebody who is listening to this and they say to themselves, well, I, I'm not a binge drinker. Um, I have a responsible amount of alcohol um, after a long day's work and it could be a drink every evening, five days of the week out of seven. Um, what what kind of ways would, would consuming alcohol manifest in that respect? Is Are we way more exposed to um, some issues or far less exposed or is it is it hard to tell? So I suppose in short, the answer is from current research is that the less alcohol, um, the better. And how we consume alcohol, if we choose to consume alcohol over the week, will depend on the effects that we see then with that alcohol consumption. So as our, your listeners are probably well aware that, you know, it's advisable to spread alcohol consumption over the week. And it's important to try and have two or more alcohol free three days each week to mineralize, mineralize or mineralize rather the tolerance and habit formation. So our low risk, we'll say drinking guidelines would be that adult women should drink less than 11 standard drinks. And then for men that they should drink less than 17 standard drinks. But I think it's important to note that, you know, people can become a little bit confused to know actually what is a standard yeah. um, drink, you know. It's worth them. Um pointing that out then you know um, yes. a, a glass of wine um, versus a pint of beer versus a shot of of, of, of vodka um, when we say a standard unit drink what are we talking about? So a standard drink will contain 10 grams of pure alcohol and one standard drink is actually just to reference the wine there's actually a small glass of wine um, half a pint of beer or stout or ale would be considered one standard drink so you know uh, like a full pint of beer is around two standard drinks. So it's probably a lot more than than what we would think. Um, you know, a standard pub measure of spirits is two standard um, drinks. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so it's good to have that awareness. And actually, there are some really nice resources available online, such as the drinkaware.ie website, where if you are interested in tracking your alcohol consumption, you can actually put in, you know, what you consume in an average week to know how many standard drinks you'd have on a given occasion. If we can underline before we move on to maybe some of the um, less anecdotal and more statistical evidence out mm -hmm. there about uh, people drinking less, generally speaking, is that um, whilst you're, the, 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 the science recommends that people uh, drink um, whatever they drink over the week, that it's better spread out rather than concentrated on one particular um, day. Uh, by the same token, you do need to have those alcohol-free days uh, to counteract the dangers of habit forming, uh, uh, forming habits around consuming alcohol. Yes, I, I would agree with that, that certainly 
the evidence would support that, you know, that um, we need to, you know, people really drink for different reasons, you know, for a, lot, a number of different reasons. And, you know, that's getting into the behavioral side of it, you know, for some people, um, you know, which can, it's a sociability factor. And certainly in, in the Irish culture, you know, that, that that is a factor in it. And for other people that it can be a, a stress reliever. But I think it's important to remember, you know, that we need to think at other lifestyle behaviours that we can engage in that can help us with sociability and, for example, uh, physical exercise and exercising in, in groups and can also provide those benefits without the alcohol. You're listening to Dr. Anya O'Connor, who's a lecturer and course coordinator of the Bachelor of Science, a degree in nutrition and health science in Tusathlone. Uh, Anya, as we reach the conclusion of our conversation, it's worth probably pointing out that it looks like statistically um, the direction of travel for consumption of alcohol is that um, people are drinking less. There are a couple of headline figures that you mentioned to me before we uh, went on there there that you might um, be able to share with our listeners. Yes, so in Ireland, we have an annual survey that's carried out called the Healthy Ireland Survey. And um, that looks at a representative sample of Irish adults and around 7,000 Irish adults. And the most recent uh, wave of the survey that was carried out has found that that there is a decline in drinking frequency among the 35 to 44 year old groups. So um, it seems around 51% have reduced their frequency as compared with 60% back in uh, 2021. Um, And we do have as well some potentially promising data, although we will need to track it more going forward to show that the percentage of binge drinkers seems to be somewhat of a trend of a decline there. So when we compare data back in 2018, around 28% were considered to be binge drinkers. They considered themselves binge drinkers, that they had six or more standard drinks on one drinking occasion. And the most recent survey suggests that's around 22% of um, binge drinkers. That is encouraging in the sense that we've gone from just under a third to potentially just over a fifth in that time period. And... uh, as you say there, we'll just have to hold on for more data to come through to get a more crystallised and solid understanding and picture of um, maybe how Irish culture around consuming alcohol is changing. Uh, But Mm -hmm. it was good to get the chance to talk about uh, what it is and what it means to consume alcohol in relation to our bodies uh, this evening on Health and Fitness. Dr. Anya O'Connor, much appreciate you taking the time to talk to us this evening. Thank you. Yeah, big thanks to to Tusath Lone for setting up our chat there with uh, Anya as well. It's interesting, like I I enjoy a drink, absolutely. Um, But as time has gone on, you realise the kind of social exclusion that does happen around people who don't enjoy a drink in the same way, how uh, society and socialising was so centred around this one venue where people tend to get pretty inebriated as a, a standard practice. Um, maybe it's for the best that we're moving in a different direction. Text or WhatsApp us 0833010103. Health and Fitness here with David Hollywood. Uh, after the break, we will be learning about uh, fly fishing for ladies. Health and Fitness with David Hollywood in association with the Hearing Consultancy. 
passionate about hearing and hearing health. We use the latest technologies to identify and analyse hearing issues and provide their solutions. Book a free test on thehearingconsultancy.ie. As regular listeners will know, we like to finish the show up with something a bit different. To that end, we're featuring a sport that's coming to the Midlands. The Irish Fly Fishing Association's Beginners Training Day takes place at the Leash Angling Centre on Saturday, the 23rd of September. Maddie Kelly is a committee member uh, with the Irish Ladies Fly Fishing Association. She's been telling Chloe Farrell about the sport and, of course, the event. Okay, fly fishing um, is one of the disciplines of angling. And it is the one where um, the anglers will will um, use um, our, our target fish that are actually eating flies. So um, the flies can be at any stage of their life cycle. So flies would fall into two categories. Um, one would be aquatic and the other is terrestrial. So the angler's interest is in the aquatic insect. And uh, most people would probably understand the life cycle of the butterfly in that the egg hatches into a caterpillar and then eventually hatches into um, a butterfly. And the aquatic insects would have a similar life cycle in that um, the egg would hatch out deep in the water on the riverbed or on the lake bed. And they would live one, two, maybe three years down there as, um, well, for want of a better word, a little worm-like creature. Um, they're, they're called nymphs. And then eventually they rise to the surface and their aim of rising to the surface is to hatch into an adult fly and then they fly off and find their mate and then the females come back over the water and lay their eggs and the cycle starts again. So fly fishing is um, where the angler would create um, a fly that would imitate um, the fly at any one of those stages and they would use items like um, wool and fur and feathers and tinsel and anything else that um, might imitate part of the fly. And they would tie that, secure that round a hook, and then um, the fly is created, and they would tie that on the end of a line and cast that out and hope to entice the fish. So that's fly fishing in a nutshell. And when we think back then to fishing with worms how do these two differ then well it's just that um when you're fishing with worms you're fishing with um for want of a better word a different bait and so the worm would be on the end of the line and obviously the worm is um a wee live creature and um what it's doing in actual fact uh, for the most part is imitating the nymph stage of um the creatures that live in the water so um the fly angler would tend to um, create that stage by um, wool and rubber bands, tinsel. Whereas um, if you're fishing with a worm, you're actually just um, imitating the nymph stage of the fly. So they, they are connected. And so it's in the name Irish Ladies Fly Fish Fishing Association. Why is it so important to you to bring more women into the sport? I um, just think there isn't enough women in angling, and there isn't. Um, it's it's very hard to find out how many women in Ireland really fish or what the percentage of anglers are that are female, because in um, the south of Ireland, there is no rod license. In Northern Ireland, we would have a rod license, so um, there can be an idea of the percentage of anglers who are women, and it's very, very low. 
when I started fishing about 35 years ago, um, I always understood that the percentage of anglers in America that were female was about 14%. And that figure has now risen to 43% because they have done a lot of work to try and encourage women into all disciplines of angling, but especially fly fishing. It's it's kind of, um, you know, overall the disciplines, which would include sea angling and what's called coarse angling, which is usually um, where you know, worms, etc. Et would be used. Um, fly angling seems to attract more women than the other disciplines. And um, so, yes, the Irish Ladies Fly Fishing Association was set up um, just over 30 years ago and the, the aim is to bring more women into, into fly fishing and also um, set up, uh, get a national team together to actually represent Ireland at the International Women's Fly Fishing Championships. And do you think that women aren't as eager to get involved because there may be kind of a stereotype that it's usually men who would go out fishing? That That is actually one of the barriers to women going fishing. They think it's all men. Um, and that can put a lot of women off. But there are more and more women coming into angling and there are more and more events and courses being set up for women only to get them into um, fishing. And I know that one of the barriers as well to women going fishing is that they probably don't feel safe because for the most part, um, angling is a sport that you might do by yourself. Um, it's not always the case because most anglers do go fishing with, you know, two, three other people, small groups. Um, the Irish Ladies Fly Fishing Association would organise events where, you know, 10, 12, maybe more women would turn up. And, you know, there'd be the social element there. They'd meet before they'd go fishing and then they'd be meet um, for lunch, come in to the harbour for lunch or go on to an island and all meet up for lunch. And afterwards then... Um, there'd be a social element because like, you know, women were an all Ireland association and some women might have travelled quite a distance. So we'd meet up and go for something to eat and then some women would be staying over. So there'd be um, more socialising on into the evening, you know, so it's a good chance to actually meet other women who fish and um, it's one way of learning more techniques because the more people you talk to, the more anglers you talk to, the more um, you'd find out about um, new tactics, new techniques, new tactics and, and what's working and what's not working. And whether it's a social aspect or something you're doing by yourself, what are the benefits maybe mentally then for for angling? Oh, yes. Um, you know, if, if um, you were to ask most people what their what their um, imagination tells them an angler is like um, they would probably talk about the guy sitting under the umbrella on a big seat surrounded by loads of equipment and sitting there for three four maybe all day um, uh, he's not fly angling um, so the fly angler would would literally um, just have a box of flies in their pocket and a rod and a line and maybe a few bits and pieces and a rucksack where they might have a waterproof on their lunch and they would um, maybe walk up a river bank for three or four miles and fish the river on the way up and then come back down again and fish it on the way down. So, um, yeah, you can do that by yourself or you can have, you know, a friend walking just up ahead of you and they're fishing as well and um, you come up behind them and overtake them and then your friend overtakes. So um, you fish alternate. Uh, they're called fishing holes, so you'd, you'd um, fish alternate um, holes, as it were. 
and you you could you can actually go fishing with somebody on a river or you can do it by yourself and that's the aspect that I think a lot of women would be concerned about heading up a river bank on their own um, and I understand that completely um, because I'm not a big fan of doing that myself um, I I would prefer to do what's called lock style fishing which is going out on a drifting boat so you, you'd go out on um, what for all intents and purposes looks like a rowing boat and you'd be on a lake and then the wind would blow you down the lake so the wind would be always on your back and you would be blowing down the lake and um, casting out your fly as you go along and hoping for the best basically and obviously that's that's done with um, one or two other people in the boat so you can't spend all day fishing in a boat with with one or two other people and that and that's what I really love I love the social aspect of that um, I love um I love just being out with, and sometimes you know, you, you, you if you were fishing on a um, a trial for an Irish team, you might be out with somebody you don't know at all, and you'd spend all day getting to know them. And, and there's a lot of competitions in fly fishing around Ireland, and if you enter those, you certainly do end up going out with somebody you don't know that well. And it's great because you know if you're into fishing, um, it's great to meet like-minded people and. That's where um, lifelong friendships come from. They come from a shared interest, and I know lots of, of um, anglers who have who have made friends, made you know, built friendships over the years. I have, and it's been brilliant. Oh, that's that's brilliant to hear. Um, then, just my last question is: Can you tell me a bit about what's happening in Leash then soon? Yes, one of the um, things that the Irish ladies fly fishing association does is run training days for women so we're trying to encourage women to come along on that day on the 23rd of September and um, we'll we'll bring all the equipment and take women through um, all the aspects associated with what I call becoming an independent angler because that is another barrier for women they'll think to themselves oh I can't go out here because everybody's looking at me so um, we take them through the the steps from the very start and make sure they're comfortable at each step and then it's only a matter of um, them practicing that Um, yeah that's uh, Maddie Kelly committee member of the Irish Ladies Fly Fishing Association that beginners training day um, begins at um, rather on Saturday the 23rd of September at the Leash Angling Centre we're just about out of time here in Health and Fitness this week I'll be back next week Joe Cooney's waiting in the wings with Country Roads you're going to head over to him via the Midlands 103 News Centre